Welcome to the Becoming Well podcast, the podcast that explores the intersection of faith and mental health. On this episode of Becoming Well, we're going to tackle a topic that I think we sort of touch on every every other episode or so, but we're going to be real intentional in diving deeper into this idea of how do we create and foster space in our lives for mental health not only healing, but flourishing. Because this is something that I think a lot of times our listeners are, one, really asking the question about how do I do this? It goes into boundaries. It goes into um, the effectiveness of therapy. What happens when therapy isn't working? It goes into the question of medication. When do I, you know, jump into the pool of seeing a psychiatrist and talking about um, psychotropic medication? And it also, I think, uh, you know, brings to question or brings to mind the question of what are the responsibilities of like our employers and the people that we report up to when it comes to our mental health and well-being. Um, so I don't know. Are you, are you up for, for I'm up tackling for this? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Because I think there are a few things. What I hear you saying is where do I begin? How do I open up so that I can allow that healing to take place? And not just based on how um, my responsibility in that, but what are the responsibility of our community? Yeah. You know, and if that community may be um, employers, it might be the church. Might be my neighbors. It might be my neighbor. My... It might be my relatives. Yep. Yep. You know, so if I decide, because it doesn't just affect me. So I can say, well, I want to start really, really working on my healing and my mental health. The thing about that is I live with people and I, <laughs> and I work with people yeah. and I go to church with people. So other people at some level, not everyone, but at some level, it will affect other people. So what is their responsibility when one wants to work on their mental health? Yeah, Mary and I attempted to bid for an island in the middle of nowhere and go live there without people, but yeah, it didn't work. It's not going to work. I know. We we invited Wilson the volleyball. We did. Wilson was <laughs> was unavailable. <laughs> Wilson didn't want any parts. <laughs> We're too much for Wilson. But okay, so I read this book. I have this book that I've read actually multiple times, and I love it. And it comes to mind as we're having this conversation. It's called um, Oh my gosh! Now I'm blanking on the name of the book. That's hilarious. It's called something. Okay, well what's the content? <laughs> the content <laughs> It'll is come. the the disciplined pursuit of less, essentialism. <gasps> See, you were right. Thank you. Maybe my mind needs a mental health break. Essentialism. <laughs> Have you read this book? No. Have I talked about it before? No, tell me. Okay. I mean the name, the title like says it all, right? Yeah. Essentialism. Mm-hmm. It's this idea that we put all this fluff, all this stuff, all this distraction into our lives, and we fail to live according to what is our most essential. Mm. And the author tells this story about kind of what motivated him to write this book, where his wife had their first baby. Mm-hmm. And it's a couple hours after the birth, they're in the hospital, and he's um, you know, looking at his wife, who's holding the baby, and they're both kind of dozing, and he's just thinking about what a miracle this was and how amazing... And yet in the back of his mind, he's also thinking about this work meeting that he had scheduled. Mm. And he's kind of toying with this idea of if I leave the hospital, Mm -hmm. I can run to this work meeting. I can meet with these, you know, team members. I can pitch this idea and I can be back here in a couple hours. No harm, no foul. Mm. And then he's also like, but my wife just had a baby. Like she put her body through 
everything. Right. And, you know, here's my, my new child. I shouldn't leave. Mm. And he leaves. And he goes to this meeting. And I think in the book, the, the people in the meeting are like floored that he left, <laughs> right. right? And like, what were you thinking? But it starts him down this spiraling path of what are the day-to-day decisions I'm making and are they prioritizing what's most important to me? Mm. And, you know, I think we talk a lot about some really amazing principles in this podcast. Mm-hmm. But I know you and I also talk a lot about our own personal lives. And I got to confess, when it comes to putting into practice what we preach, mm-hmm. I struggle with that it's sometimes. Hard. Like, I don't know that I actually create the best space for my mental health mm-hmm. and wellness. And what are some of the barriers to that happening? And I think what you brought up is a really excellent point that that we need to kind of flush out is what's the responsibility of our community in that? Right. I love you said a couple of things that I think go hand in hand very well is the idea, again, of. Um, what does it mean to create space, which could be essential, the things that are essential or a minimalist, right? If you think of it that way as well, what are the things that we really need? Yeah. You know, and it's to, to really create that space of healing. And I've been deep on this journey for, when I say journey, of really being intentional, it's been like this month. Yeah, <laughs> you're, You have been out in the wilderness. That's why I can't find you. You're not answering my calls because you're like out in the desert, I'm out in the on desert. a journey. Like, what does it all mean? <laughs> but just stripping everything in terms of um, what what's essential? What's essential? And not running the rat race. But also... As I'm doing that, I'm noticing that there is a shift in me, but also there is this, what, with the people that I I live with. People don't like your boundaries, right? Yeah. Yeah. There is, I have to tell this quick story. So I have a relative um, that we have some issues with boundaries and I'm the baby of the family. Mm. And so as the baby of the family, and we, I have two sisters, we really play into the stereotypical sibling positions. I'll just say that, right? So I'm kind of that sibling that, you know, my older sister is very, you know, the older sibling. The responsible one, the control freak. Yep, I get that. I get that. Make sure everybody's okay, (laughs) right? My middle sister's the middle sister. (laughs) And and then, you know, I'm the youngest where I just kind of am like, okay, you know, I don't like drama and I don't want to just, I'll just kind of do my own thing. Um, Even if people tell me something, I'm still going to do my own thing, but I'll still kind of try to not push against too much drama, you know, and I don't know if that's sibling position. I'll just say that a lot of that's our personality too, where but I'll still do my own thing. Right? Yeah. Like I'm the youngest. I don't need <laughs> this is my life. I just do what I do. Right. And um, but there there, you know, there are some things that I'm trying to establish because I'm changing and I'm pushing towards creating that space for healing and what that means. You mentioned earlier that boundaries is huge when we're creating that space to be able to heal because you can't create that space with lack of boundaries. Yeah. You just can't because then everyone's coming in and out and you're trying to navigate all of that and you won't be able to pay attention to how you even can heal because you're allowing everything to come in and out of your life. And so there was an exchange. um, And when when we have an exchange, me and this other person, we tend to we have patterns, right? 
you talk, you know, you have siblings and you have your brother, or, you know, and I yep. don't know if it's, you know, but. Oh, yeah. We got the oldest, middle, youngest for yeah. sure. <laughs> right. And there's patterns. Yeah. And people will continue to go. You go along with patterns. Yep. Right. And so there was this exchange that it's a normal exchange that we usually have once a month. Never. It's never been healthy. But there's patterns to that. So that person says something, then I say something back, and that person, and then my pride gets in, and that person's pride get in, and we're going back and forth like, you better not say this because <laughs> if you say it, you know, we're yeah. typing, you know, and it's it's that's our pattern. And then we're fine for another month and don't really say anything, and we're laughing, we're sending the fake LOLs and the emojis, you know, that you're really mad, but you're sending ha-ha, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And we've been doing that for years. And... um. Because I've been on this journey of being um, creating space for healing, part of that encompasses being authentic and setting boundaries, like I said. So for me to be able to say, I cannot allow this exchange between you and I to um, happen any longer because it 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 takes a hit on what I'm trying to achieve, which is healing and peace. And so this person sent me something um, pretty passive aggressive. And usually I will fall for it, even in my head, knowing it's passive aggressive. Yep, yep. My pride kicks in and my ego kicks in. Like, no, she didn't. She did it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and what I did, and it's just been this month that I've been that intentional, is I paused. And I, and I looked at the text. All of the, the feelings were flooded and just irritated. But I was like, okay, what is this person really saying? The person was really saying, I miss you. Mm. There was, I, I don't want to give you the whole gist of the whole text, but it, 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 was, it sounded nasty. But the whole thing was, I, I miss you, right? Yeah. But I paused and I had to literally unpack what this person's really trying to say. So my response, so the, what I had to do is think, okay, I want to be able to let that person know I know what they're saying, but also let them know that you, it, this is the new way to talk to me. Yeah. If you want to explain something to me or share your feelings about something, it needs to be direct and not passive aggressive. And that will help us have a healthy relationship. Otherwise, we cannot connect this way. And that was my way of boundaries. So I, and I text back, I said, here's an alternative of what you could have said that I would have responded better Mm -hmm. and I gave just a short line I miss you I want to see you and I'm I'm upset because this this and this that's direct yeah right and that still creates space and peace and healing for me because it helps me not get engaged with all of this unhealthy behavior and these patterns towards this person take me off my you know space that I'm in um and, and help that person understand that this is a new way to talk to me, right? So that I can continue to protect the peace in the space of healing, right? Because half of my, the the things that I think I was going through was I didn't have boundaries and I let people just say anything to me. And then I would eat it up because I don't like drama, but then I would internalize it and then become bitter with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? And so for me to be able to foster that that healing, I had to say to that person, this is a new way you're going to talk to me. So that person was like, what are you talking about? I always talk to you this way, which is fair. Yeah. They're like, wait a minute. It's been 40 something years that we've talked to one another like this. What are you talking about? 
And so that, and it, long story short, I apologize for rambling, but long story short is the idea of me creating space to be able to accept and understand and, and really uh, bathe, I want to say, in healing and creating space for my mental health had to do with me reaching out to the people close to me saying, this is what we're doing. That's new. I know that it's not normal and it's not something that we usually, how we communicate, but this will help our relationship with it, which in turn is me saying it'll also help me and my mental health, which is going to help our relationship. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and the response of that person again, wasn't pleasant. Yeah. But it was hard because it, it, it was hard, but it was healthy. I don't know. No, I'm totally you, tracking you, you with you because for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think what, what I, what I hear in that is this need to, I'm thinking here for a minute. Well, one, when we set boundaries, we've talked about this before in other podcasts, right? People don't always respond in the way that we want to. Mm-hmm. But I think about the reality of, of something you said that's really important. And I think this is where a lot of us get stuck, mm-hmm. right? I usually use the analogy with, with clients, um, that come in, and I promise it's going to come full circle because it's going to sound like out of left field, but I'll use an analogy with clients that come in in crisis, mm-hmm. and they want immediate resolution. Mm-hmm. I, I need this fixed. I need healing. I need harmony. I need a lack of conflict. I need you to tell, oftentimes this is not what they're saying directly, but what they're implying. I need you to tell the other person why they're entirely wrong, and it's all their problem. Mm-hmm. And I'll let them know, counseling is a process. Mm-hmm. We are in crisis. Mm-hmm. You want surgery? We're in the ICU. Oh, say that again. Right? I like that. You're, you want surgery? We're in the ICU. I and we've got to get stable mm. before we can actually go in and operate. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to be patient in this process if you want it to work. Meaning we got to address some tools and some strategies for healthy communication, all these other things before we can actually get to the deeper root cause of the issue and how that equates back to your conversation. And I think some of the things I've been processing in the last month too, is I struggle with the patience piece. Mm. So when you set that boundary, I would imagine, like you said, it's been 40 plus years of us engaging in this way. Mm-hmm. I have yet I'm not saying it would, it's impossible, but I have yet to have this experience of changing a pattern that's been in existence for so long and having it go absolutely smoothly with no glitches, <laughs> right? right? Let me know if it happens. Yeah, it hasn't happened, it to, hasn't me happened to me. <laughs> but I think I slip into that mentality. Mm-hmm. Like I get this mindset of like, I'm going to do this different. I'm going to, you know, change these patterns. I'm going to create this space. Mm-hmm. And it lasts for a day, sometimes a couple hours. <laughs> and right. I slip back into old patterns of behavior mm-hmm. or... Like you, I try to set this boundary. Other people react because, understandably, we're doing something different. They didn't ask for us to do things differently. This is not their ideal. (laughs) They liked how things were working because it was to their advantage. (laughs) And so when they react, and it's oftentimes maybe out of anger or frustration or annoyance or, you know, maybe now they have more responsibility and they didn't want that. 
my, I know for me, oftentimes I, without thinking, and that's a key part of this, I just default back into the old pattern. Yes. <laughs> Let me ask you this because this is important. Yeah. Why do you think we default back into our old patterns when we uh, cannot wait it out and we're impatient with our healing? Fear. Mm. I totally think it's fear. I was anticipating what you were asking, and my mind was like going a thousand miles a minute while you were asking the question. <laughs> and I think it's fear. I think, you know, if I were to dig deep into some of the reasons why I default back into it, it's fear of letting other people down, mm. fear of rejection, mm-hmm. fear of, and this is a big one for me, fear of the narrative being spinned in a way that paints me in an inaccurate light. Mm. and that does that does that go with fear of you not being able to then accept that it might be painted in an inaccurate light yeah for sure and then what am I basing my identity in right Right. because people are gonna probably in the course of our lives somebody is going to misinterpret our character and our and the motivation of our choices more oftentimes than not I would argue yes (laughs) yes So if my motivation is to constantly, and this kind of goes back to personality traits, like I value justice. I'm high on, on that when it comes to all of the personality measures. So if somebody is acting unjustly, in my opinion, then I have a hard time letting that go. And again, that goes back to fears, fears of the consequences of that on me, on other people. Again, fears of how people are going to perceive me and Mm, fear of the unknown fear of the unknown what about that fear of being uncomfortable because change is uncomfortable yeah so sometimes we don't like creating space and setting boundaries because it's uncomfortable like I said this last month I it's been very uncomfortable yeah because it's comfortable responding in patterns totally even if it's unhealthy because people usually give us the praise and the accolades and the affirmations that we seek when we respond in predictable ways right I love it and when even if we know cognitively that it is unhealthy it's still comfortable because it's predictable but when we say, no, you will not talk to me like this again, or I'm going to say no to this because I need to look out for my mental health, that's not predictable. We have no idea what will happen. Yeah. Now we are afraid of all of the fears that you, that you mentioned, and we have no idea what the outcome will be. It could be. You know, it could be great. It could be there. You know, like you said, though, I, I haven't seen where most people. OK, no problem. Right. This is our new pattern. OK, <laughs> I can I can accept this. Right. I can rally. This, Absolutely. This is great. You know, never. No. Have I heard. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's uncomfortable. So and even like I said, this month, I've been just kind of waiting for the shoe to drop by certain people, by certain circumstances, by God. Mm-hmm. Who. Does not call us to live in a spirit of fear? No. And I'm sitting there like, okay, this is for my mental health. Okay, you know that meme where I think it's the dog sitting in the whole fire and it's like, I'm fine. Oh, yeah. Or the little girl, which which she, like with the explosion behind her. Yes. (laughs) Yep, I know. That's it, you know, where it is, um, 
unpredictability is fearful. Yeah. You are correct. So we sit in these spaces where we want on a heart and a soul level, we really want to um, make space for healing and to, for, for really paying attention to self-care and to understand the things that we need to do to just be better for ourselves and be better for other people. But there's a lot of fear in that. There's a lot of fear. And this is like a multi-million dollar industry, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm thinking about the reality that I'm, I'm thinking of all these books that I have read mm-hmm. on boundary setting yes. and Sabbath and relinquishing control and all these things. And yet here we are, mm-hmm. we still struggle with it. And I think about even some of the questions we posed at the beginning of this episode and how fear oftentimes motivates our lack of change in that direction, right? Like I think about the people that I know that have pushed back on seeking mental health Mm -hmm. counseling Mm -hmm. because, oh, I'm afraid of what other people might think of me. Mm -hmm. Some pastors come to mind. I will not name names, but who've expressed a fear and and they would not also call it a fear. They would say, well, I have an obligation, a responsibility, a duty to my congregation to present myself in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And if they were to see me as having mental health needs, what does that say about my ability to lead my congregation? But I have to say just on a visceral level, like that's sad to me. That's so sad to me because I feel that it's not authentic. It's not. And it's, it's, it's feeding into the idea that we are in control of how other people are going to receive the word. Mm. And that's, that's eliminating Christ to me. Yeah, it's if, putting him in a box yeah, for sure. Yeah, and if Jesus what Jesus came down, God sent his son to be on earth to allow us to understand the humanness and him to empathize with our humanness. So why then do we think that we cannot then show our humanness and to be able to connect the way that Jesus did? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Where if I did not and, and understand that Jesus said, I, I, I hurt with you. I, 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 un, I experienced all these emotions with you. For us to then turn around and say, nope, we're perfect. We're going to shepherd all of you because we have no issues at all. That's not even, that, that's not even, that's not even, um, you know, anywhere near what I believe that the Bible talks about in our relationship with Christ talks about. Mm -hmm. He literally came down to show us how we, how he experienced, he understands us through an empathic way of saying, I came and I'm seeing this and I'm hearing this and I'm understanding this. I too am going through this with you. So I understand, but then we don't do that. Everything's fine. Yeah. We're good. Yeah. You're the one with the issue. Jesus didn't even do that. Like he he felt with us. Yeah. You know, but then we turn around and not, you know, do that. And I can't say it's just the the onus on the pastors. We we reinforce that. 
Absolutely. As, you know, the congregation and we, you know, we expect them to be like that and to, to be perfect and not be empathic to because out of transparency, mm-hmm. you can't be empathic and you don't show that you've been through anything. Right. Right. <laughs> and again, I think it's this idea. It would be really interesting, you know, I think for our listeners uh, that, that want to engage and we really appreciate and value that engagement to, you know, to go to our website becomingwellpodcast.org and to put on there some of the things that I think fear is preventing you from doing because we want to tackle these topics in future episodes. But, you know, it keeps coming back to me, this idea of fear, right? And and I don't know, I have not had this specific conversation, Mm -hmm. but I'm just thinking from a logical kind of, you know, uh, we call it Socratic questioning mm-hmm. in our field, where you ask a question that goes deeper and deeper and deeper. Like Something killing it. Yeah, mean. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to the space of like, what's the loss here? Yeah. Right. So, so if uh, if a pastor or even I'll put myself in the hot seat as a professor and as a therapist, it what is the loss of me sharing my humanity? What is the loss? What is the loss? Because that's what I think the fear is, right? The fear is I'm going to lose something. Pride. Pride drives this. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I think we think, well, the loss is people respect. Mm -hmm. People aren't going to respect me. Mm -hmm. People aren't going to think I'm capable. Mm -hmm. And guess what the reality is? Some may not. Some may not. It's complete. Your your fears... Sometimes we say your fears are unfounded. No, your fears can actually be very rational and true. Yes. Yes. <laughs> People, we need to drive that point home more. Yes. You may lose respect. You may lose respect. And that's a valid fear. Yes. But let's continue with that. Yeah. Is that enough of a reason? And to your point, is it a biblical reason mm-hmm. to avoid the transparency or to continue carrying on? In an inauthentic and perhaps misleading way. Yeah. And and also not creating safe and healthy spaces for your mental health and flourishing, which is ultimately going to bleed through and affect the people around you. Right. So that's that's the that's the crux, I think, of that. It's what we're going to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, which is which is a good chance that you will lose it. Yeah. But how much more will you lose? In the long run, if you try to uphold this false image. Yeah. Yeah. This is kind of blowing my mind because it's starting to like, again, sort of trickle into all these other areas, right? Because perhaps it's fear of accomplishment. Perhaps it's fear of financial gain. Perhaps it's fear of, you know, I think for for us as women sometimes, and this is a very valid fear, it's fear of future opportunity Mm -hmm. because the opportunities are not as Mm -hmm. prevalent Mm -hmm. in our work. And so if I say no to this or if I walk away from this, is the opportunity going to be there in the future? Yeah. Fear of, I'm going to go back to my sibling position and, and personality. So I'm the youngest and I'm very, very, very sensitive. My listeners by now, you guys know that I'm super sensitive. I'm always crying about something (laughs) on this podcast. But growing up, and I also grew up in the inner city, so there was not a lot of space for my personality. Yeah. Right? So it was either, you're being too sensitive by my older siblings, you're being too sensitive by my community, and even if they didn't say it, you had to 
come off as if you did not have any, that you were tough and you didn't have any sensitivity because that can put you in a, um, you can be taken advantage of, whether it's, you know, people will, you know, see you as the weak link. Mm. You know, you had to be tough being in the inner city and there yeah. wasn't any space to be sensitive. There wasn't any space to say that you're hurting um mentally or you're 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 that you're vulnerable that you're vulnerable there's no space for that in the inner city for a, a whole bunch of different reasons yeah. again this is not blaming anyone and my sister's saying that I get why they would say that you know because it's like you're you know you we you gotta suck it up right they're and trying so to protect you they're trying to it's yeah. a protective um strategy and so um I had to suppress a huge part of me that I always thought was this horrible thing. We're just like, why am I so sensitive? Why am I crying about this? I don't have, and you just cannot show weakness yeah. in the inner city. You cannot. Um, in the projects, you can't. And what ended up happening for me is then I get fearful that I'm going to be seen as not a strong woman, not a strong black woman, right? That's playing into mm -hmm. that whole trope again, right? Not be seen as someone they can rely on to protect them because showing vulnerability in the projects in the inner city is, is it means you don't have the means to protect me. Mm -hmm. You have got to come off like this lion at all times. Which in, in reality, lions have a lot of sensitivity in, you know, yeah. that's the irony of it, right? But there's just roar at all times. And for me, what ended up happening is that I became bitter and mean, ironically, very mean seeming, you know, and just very, um, for lack of a better term, like cantankerous, just kind of, mm -hmm. you know, always agitated because I was always suppressing and, and and fearful of exposing my gentler my gentle side my yeah. my sensitive side my vulnerable side it's a part of me right yeah. and so that was my biggest fear and i still deal with that i still deal with that because i keep hearing in my head you're too sensitive you're too sensitive mm. you're too sensitive yeah. and that's what i always fear of losing the respect that i still am courageous that i still i'm still strong um, when, in fact, those are the things that actually show that you are courageous and strong, that you can actually be show your vulnerability. But growing up that way, that's that's you know, you talk about fear. That's my biggest fear mm. that I will not be seen as strong if I show sensitivity or being vulnerable or or that uh, I have mental health issues. Yeah. Like we don't have time for that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and, you know, what's what? something that you said really struck me. And that's the idea that this is not necessarily something that's ever going to go away. No. You know, it's kind of like the, like Paul with the thorn in his flesh. Mm -hmm. And it, and, and I do believe God in his sovereignty in ways that I cannot even begin to comprehend uses that because he draws us closer to him in those moments. Mm -hmm. When we say, God, I am afraid. Yeah. I have dealt with this my whole life. I've gone to counseling. I have talked with my friends. I have turned this over to you repeatedly over and over and over again, and it doesn't seem to change. God still promises us, A, that he's there, yeah. that his presence is always there, that, and that also that he has a plan and a purpose. Yeah. So to understanding, I want to pull that out a little bit, that... 
it may not change. Mm -hmm. It sounds so simple, but I think we think, okay, I've done all the right things, quote unquote, the right things. Why am I not, quote unquote, healed? So it, I love that you use, I love that you use Paul because I love uh, Second Corinthians. Yeah. yeah, that it's that that they talk about the thorn because you are correct where that may not be the correct expectation or even prayer. Yeah. That may not be the correct expectation. I believe, you know, you could pray for anything, but that we are not going to feel anything negative anymore or we're not going to have that reminder of that thing that's been bothering us anymore if we go to therapy. Yeah. Or we set the boundary. Or we set the boundary. Or we create the space. Yeah. Like it's going to be easy. And I think that's oftentimes what sets us up for failure mm. is we think, okay, I've set the boundary. Mm -hmm. I've dealt with the backlash. Mm -hmm. I have moved forward with my plan. I've started going to counseling. I've started taking medication. I have divulged to my congregation what's going on. I have fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. And that we translate unconsciously mm -hmm. to, I will no longer have to feel this. Right. And I would say probably based on our conversations right now that that feeling that you fill in the blank with, you know, if you start digging real deep down, the the underlying under the surface Emotion is fear, mm -hmm. right? I will no longer have to fear mm -hmm. feeling rejected or feeling inadequate or others perceiving me this way or having this insecurity. And that's just not true. It's not true. And so when it happens, because I think you're right, we set ourselves up for failure thinking that way. Mm -hmm. And that's oftentimes our motivation. And then when it happens, well, then we kind of throw out the whole plan altogether because we're like, it didn't work. It didn't work. Right. And it goes back to your analogy where even if you go into the ICU and then you get surgery, you know, you get surgery, you still have to go through a healing process. Oh yeah. Rehabilitation yes. and, and even physical in, therapy and yes. all these things. Craig is in, you know, he got a shoulder uh, surgery he has to go to rehab. It's been about two months where he's been in rehab. But that shoulder is going to bother him for the rest of his life. Yeah. I saw him the other day. And and when I went to go give him a hug, he said, I can't lift my arm that high. Right. So here we are. <laughs> give you like this kind of awkward side <laughs> back pat kind of thing. And that was, yeah, that and was like a couple weeks ago. And that, absolutely, that's probably going to be an issue for him for the rest of his, his life. Does yeah. that mean that he didn't experience healing? Does that mean that he is not going to be able to function in a way that's going to be um, uh, to build the kingdom, to be pleasing to God, to be able to be effective, to help other individuals? No. Yeah. It's going to be a reminder that something happened in his life, but he continued on in spite of. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's a powerful story. And we can all, I think, feel motivated and empowered by other stories of healing. Mm. Um, and and on, beyond that, I would say ongoing healing. Like these are the times where I, I took a step. I, I went to counseling. I realized that my anxiety was much more debilitating than I was giving it credit for. Mm -hmm. And so I met with a psychiatrist and I am on anti-anxiety medication. Mm -hmm. And it still scares me mm -hmm. to 
disclose that to other people because I fear what they might think about me. Mm-hmm. And the reality is we know we're doing this podcast because right. we want to break the stigma of mental health because the stigma still exists. Still exists. And you said something great. Healing is continuous. Mm-hmm. There's not an end point. As long as we're living. Yeah. We're going to be healing if we're intentional about it. There's not this, aha, I've arrived and you've made it to the promised land in your healing as when if you're living. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like maybe one of the, you know, the, what are the, what's the saying? Like the only guarantees in life are death and taxes. But <laughs> I think we could add to that list like continuous growth. Yes. And growth is painful. And yes. growth, I mean, I okay, so I, I bought a condo this this summer and I've gotten a lot of plants. I've become like the crazy plant lady. I'm envious. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. The I'm not I'm not quite sure if I'm good <laughs> not at it yet. Cat but lady, but plant no, lady. yeah, I'm not the cat lady. I'm the plant lady. <laughs> and I have discovered that plant like taking care of plants is not just watering them, which is what mm-hmm. my knowledge was. Right. And I'm like, I'm watering the plants. Why are they dying? <laughs> and um and then I discovered, oh, you have to prune plants. And I'm like, oh, beating to death a very well-used metaphor here. <laughs> but, like, hear us out, listeners, because, and we're talking to ourselves here. Yes. You should see our faces and our impact. Well, you can hear our tone of voice, but, like, I think Mary and I are really just, we're recording this episode purely for our own yes. gain. <laughs> we really aren't caring about our listeners at all. No. Um, but, like, the reality is, Taking care of a plant requires cutting off dead stems yes. and pruning back growth in order for the whole plant to flourish. I love that. Um, and it's so true of our own lives. And you know what? How great is that, though? Because it is a constant reminder how much we need God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How great, you know, where if we always felt like we have it together and nothing changed and nothing's growing... That that feels stagnant. That yeah. feels stale. That feels, you know, that's when you get to a point in your life of what does this all mean then? Yeah. But that continuation of God saying, okay, there's something else I want to work on. I love you so much. We have to cut this part off. Yeah. Yeah. And that and that goes back to that piece of faith, right? Because that's scary. There comes that big F word again, fear. Um that that's terrifying because what does it mean I have to lose in the process? Mm. But we get so fixated on the moment. You said this earlier, like we get so kind of stuck in this place of avoidance. I don't want that pain. I don't want that fear. I don't want that discomfort. I don't want that irritation. I don't want that inadequacy mm-hmm. uh, overwhelming me that we fail to see perhaps there's something bigger yeah. down the road. Yeah. So we don't create that space for our mental health and well-being because in the moment, the consequences are, in our minds, dire. Right. And again, I think one thing we're really trying to drive the point home here is you might and very likely will experience those consequences. Sure. And that doesn't need to translate to staying in the same unhealthy pattern, right. avoiding the change, mm-hmm. not stepping into the to the space of, uncomfortable growth because maybe that's part of just the pattern of life that we that we have to wrestle with and I believe I do believe that God allows it to happen because there are because there are times where he's saying let's see what you know I'm CBT REBT and so what's the worst that can happen yeah 
Okay. Yes. So let's imagine the worst that can happen. And it does. Did you die? Right. (laughs) Right. Right. And you might be saying, well, no, but I lost my job and I lost my best friend or I lost my spouse. Mm -hmm. And and we're not minimizing the outcome of that by any means. That could very well be the reality. And I think that then comes back to a larger question that we had mentioned at the start of this podcast, which is what is our role as community members then? Mm. Because if we all start to really embrace mental health and wellness, Mm -hmm. then when I see somebody Mm -hmm. step into a place of fear Mm -hmm. and that results in significant loss, Mm -hmm. I want to be able to come around that person and support them in a time of need. How would you do that? So if I came in and I say, you know what? I've gone to therapy. I'm even on medication. I told my congregation um, that I'm struggling with mental health. I've done everything that I can do. I've I've got Manny Petty, self-care, everything, every book, boundaries, all of that. And I still feel as if I'm struggling tremendously with, with mental health. And I lost a lot of friends. I lost respect from some people in the congregation. They said I shouldn't say anything. Um, so, no, I didn't die. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of death that happened. Mm-hmm. And that death was friendships. That death was finances. That death was them wanting me to step down. That's a huge question for you, I know. And I'm not yeah. asking you to do kind of therapy. But how do we as the community or people that we are close to come alongside of a person that feels like they've done all they can and they still lost, you know, they lost what they were afraid of. Yeah. Yeah. How do we do that? It's, you know, it's so interesting is to me, this is the domino effect of the whole conversation, Mm -hmm. right? Because my immediate reaction is I show up for that person. Mm. What does that mean? I literally show up at their house if I have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a friend, I have a, I have a friend who did this for another friend, a mutual friend of ours mm-hmm. that was going through a, a, a significant mental health struggle. And my friend is a teacher, so she has the summers off. Mm-hmm. And she tells this story, not to her own glory and gain, but just as an example of how to show up for people. Mm-hmm. She had this friend who was really struggling, mm-hmm. like couldn't get out of bed like social isolation, panic attacks. Mm. And so every day she showed up at this friend's house with a banana and a bottle of water and said, we're going for a walk Mm. every day. I love it. Um, And it took a long season for this person to come out of what they were going through. And my friend didn't judge, didn't have expectations for how long this is going to last, didn't even have expectations Beyond you're eating this banana, you're drinking this bottle of water, and we're going for a walk. We can walk in silence. Mm -hmm. We can talk. Mm -hmm. I will listen. I will talk. We can talk about the weather. We can talk about a movie. We can talk about what actually is going on. But I'm going to be here. Mm. And I think that's a big part of it is we show up and we represent for the people in our lives Mm -hmm. their identity in Christ. That if your congregation rejects you, if you lose your job, if your family says, we're no longer here for you. Mm-hmm. I'm here. Yeah. The domino effect is if I'm not taking care of my mental health, if I'm not creating space in my life, 
like the age-old metaphor of when you get on an airplane and the oxygen masks drop. Mm-hmm. If you don't care for yourself, you can't care for anybody, you can't care for anybody else. You. you said something so great when we say show up for them. So physically showing up. But what I hear and what your friend did for her friend is she showed up without an agenda. Correct. Or a um, a selfish agenda and wanting to say, I'm doing this for you. I, you know, she just showed up. Yes. And allowed whatever that person needed you know, to, to happen yeah. without any, like you said, expectations past the banana yep. in the water. Yeah. And even if maybe if the person didn't even want the banana or water, just showing up. One thing that I do with my daughter and I really, I want to, I want to say I just learned this like six months ago. I've known this, but I just learned this and started applying this as a parent is Amaya is a teenager and she's going through a lot of emotions. And the thing that I've started to do with her is say, what do you need right now? Because as a parent, I'm normally like, no, I'm I, I, I want to teach her everything. You, you, just breathe. Just, you know, yeah. just calm down. Yeah. You can't do that. You know, all of these different things that I want to teach her, that I want to show her, that I think is better for her in that moment. When in reality, it doesn't matter that I'm 47 and she's 16. She may know. And if she doesn't know, it's okay that I don't have to push that on her and say, what can I do in this moment? What yeah. do you need right now? And a lot of times she'll say, I don't know. And it's okay for me as a mom to sit there with her or say, you know what, maybe you could take some time and then you and I can come back and you can let me know. Sometimes she'll bust in a room. She's like, mom, can we go get boba? You know, and that's <laughs> it. That's all she needed. She was just hungry. But it's that whole idea of showing up. Yeah. And showing up can look physical. Showing up can say, what What do you need from me in this moment? Yeah. I think that translates to all these facets of community, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If, if we were to show up without an agenda, mm-hmm. without preconceived expectations, mm-hmm. without a need to solve the problem, because I think that's a huge issue in and of itself. Or even without the need to think that you actually know what the problem right, is. Right, Thank and you. The solution. right? And the solution. And we have a commitment to show up. And a commitment to listen, to understand. Mm -hmm. Because I see a lot of people out there who would say, I'm showing up. Mm -hmm. But they come in with their agenda. Mm -hmm. And even if they say, I'm listening, all they're listening is through the lens of their own agenda. Mm -hmm. So they're not hearing. Right. They're not hearing, right? I I went out, um, have this, I guess, friend, kind of colleague in the community who shows up uh, in a lot of these very violent altercations throughout the city of Chicago. And he shows up to pray and comfort and just to be a presence. Mm-hmm. And um, and he has blessed me with the opportunity to just come and, and be there with him at times when he does this. Yeah. And I had a conversation not too long ago with someone else who had showed up to this gathering um, who talked a lot about others that show up and they're grief hustlers is what oh. he called them. And I was like, I'm, I'm writing that down and I'm going right. to use that term. I'm going right. to give you all the credit. <laughs> right. But it was powerful because what he described is people with well-intended motives, mm-hmm. right, who had grant money or job expectations or funding from different sectors of, you know, civil service, whatever, mm-hmm. and they need bodies. And so they show up to provide grief support services, 
but they do it with their own agenda and expectation. Mm. You call them grief hustlers. Wow. And it just like struck me to my core because that's never wow. a way I want somebody to describe me, right? A grief yes. hustler. Okay. I We do have to give him credit because I'm feeling that. Right. Term. And I can't remember his name, but it wasn't mine. <laughs> so <if> he's listening. <laughs> uh you know, go on our, go on our Instagram, becoming well and <laughs> put down. I'm... Yeah. I'm the one who wrote that. But so the whole thing for me was you go in and you, you're there, you're a presence yeah. and you listen, but you go in with a commitment, right? Like if I showed up, if my friend showed up, I didn't do this. My friend showed up with a banana and a bottle of water one time. That's, that's honorable. Mm-hmm. That is being there. Mm-hmm. But this friend needed more. And she, in this season, as a teacher with the summer off, was able to provide that. Mm. And so she showed up day after day. What do you need from me? What do you need from me? And again, if it's just we're going for a walk, great. If you need to cry today, okay. If you need to scream, okay. If we need to just talk about, you know, the latest Marvel movie, okay. Yeah. What if the the need is? Is ugly. So let me, Mm. let me. You always got to go deeper. I know. (laughs) (laughs) What if the need is I need to yell. I need to rant. Mm. What if the need to do that cannot be done with the person that hurt you? So, for example, say that your friend showed up every day and that person had so much anger in them or so much bitterness and and all that person needed to do is just yell. But your friend was there. Mm-hmm. And 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 sometimes what we do need is just to go off. I do that with I've done that with you. Yeah. Where you I've done it with you too, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes the need isn't pretty and it doesn't feel good to the person who's showing up. Mm-hmm. I say this because sometimes when we say just show up, we still want it to look like something. Yeah. We want it to look like, oh, we can just make it light. We can do, you can cry. But what if it looks like, no, I want to go off right now. And you're probably going to be a target. The target. Yeah. Or, yes, and it doesn't end with a nice, neat bow. Right. A hug, a prayer. The person saying, I feel so much better. Yeah. And chances are these outcomes are more likely than the ones that we we want. But I do think we have to recognize and acknowledge, again, like you said earlier, we live among people. Mm -hmm. And if we don't come with an agenda, then we would it would be easier for be for us to be more accepted, uh, receptive of someone who wants to rant because yeah. we won't take it personal. Yeah. Wait, we don't have an, and if we're taking care and creating space for our mental health and Uh-oh, wellness, you better talk about it. We then, on our mat. Right. Then we know, mm-hmm. okay, this person is unloading on me mm-hmm. because they need a space, a space to do that. Mm-hmm. And when our time together is done for the day, for the week, for the season, whatever, I walk away and recognize the difference between them dumping on me mm-hmm. and them, claiming my identity or or telling you know who I am and so we can walk away and we can say okay in that moment I was there in the in the way that I could be yeah and I think think about I mean just 
think about how transformational, if our, like you said, if pastors showed up in this way, but if congregation members showed up in this way. Yes. What if our bosses and our employers showed up in this way? You've got something going on. I'm not going to come in with a preconceived idea of how to solve this problem. I'm going to listen to really understand and hear what you need. Let me flip this. This is good. What if the, I think you said this in terms of um, congregation, what if the employee to the employer? Yeah. Because sometimes we, again, it's the same thing. The employer, we put them on a pedestal. We yep. expect them. And there's nothing wrong with expectations when it comes to your job perform. you know, what your job responsibilities totally. are. However, we tend to believe that they're not human. <laughs> right. Well, we fail to see their needs. Right. Yes. And so they may, you know project some things and again we I, I want to be clear that does not mean that we need to be doormats that we do not have you know our boundaries and so forth but we tend to not get show up for people that we think should be and this goes beyond the church should be a certain way this yeah. these are our employers even if our employer may say well I'm fine you yeah. know and they may try to in their minds keep this status it still is, in terms of community, our responsibility, you know, I'm just checking on you. Are you yes. You know, do you need anything? Ooh. And 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 this is this is layered. So we're certainly not going to unpack this in the last no. five minutes of this episode. But, no. yeah, okay, so I was I was uh, running an errand this weekend and ran into somebody who was, I, I didn't know this person, but they were out um, protesting or trying to drive awareness uh, around a particular issue. Mm-hmm. And we got to talking about education. Mm-hmm. And they had very strong opinions about our mayor, Mm. our mayor, Mayor Lightfoot, who my family loves to joke, who doesn't live in Chicago. I hear more about your mayor than I do about the mayors of the cities (laughs) that we live in. And I'm like, yeah, she tends to be in the news a lot, right? But it was interesting because as this person was sharing, the narrative going through my mind was, who's caring for the mayor? Like this person was understandably mad. Their positions sure. were not something I was super aware of, but they seemed like legitimate arguments. Sure. And I've heard, I've got friends who are teachers and other civil service workers. I've got actually friends who work in the city of Chicago, mm-hmm. um, commerce department. And and yet it just, for whatever reason, in that moment, it just struck me, you know, who's caring for the mayor and 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 also that I could never do that job but right. I think it brings to mind just the responsibility well not responsibility but just how impactful yeah. and you said this word early on and I think it really drives the point home of this podcast how impactful humility is mm. if I can come to the table and it's not being a doormat it's not not having needs it's not neglecting or dismissing perhaps years, decades, centuries of injustices or pains or hurts. But if I can come to the table with a posture of, I really want to understand, and the other person comes to the table with that same posture, things would really... And, and, And coming to the table saying, I am hurting I am not sure what I'm doing I am struggling with my beliefs I'm struggling with mental health but that authenticity yeah that authenticity because the the you know spoiler alert 
you're not you're dealing with stuff right <laughs> and 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 we're all a hot mess so we're all I, I, a hot I don't mess. know if i just blew the top off of you know the secret but we we're all just kind of you know my old professor in seminary used to say we're all just psychotic trying to figure out <laughs> yep and so to not to say that we all need to run around and every time we see someone we need to just start crying on their shoulder but how much more impactful would that be if we all showed up without a mask? Without a mask. And we took, for those of us that have pieces of this, ownership yes. for where we may have caused pain yes. or we haven't listened mm -hmm. or we've perpetuated a cycle mm -hmm. or we didn't see. Yeah. Oh, this is good. Yeah. So, I, you know, I would love, I would love, first of all, thanks for having this conversation yes, with me. Of I would love to hear from our listeners. Yes. You know, we talk about uh, the fact that you all are so valuable to us. And we do. We have a website, um, becomingwellpodcast.org. We have social media presence. We have an Instagram. Yeah. You can find us on um, through our handle, Becoming Well Podcast. Give us your feedback. Yeah. We want to hear what are your fears? Yes. Where do you feel stuck? And what have been some of the ways in which you've been able to overcome some of those fears and those situations and circumstances because it's an encouragement to us and it's an encouragement to others and as dr mary has so wisely said we're all human <laughs> we're all a bit of a mess <laughs> okay. and we can all benefit from the power of vulnerability and 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 give us questions uh or not just questions but ideas of future podcasts yeah we would love to hear it uh, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. In addition to leaving your questions and comments, we'd love for you to drop us a review, five stars if you feel so led. And uh, we hope to meet you here again soon. Yeah.